2: Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Cervali.
3: We are coming in hot like Brian Boyle and the Pittsburgh Penguins on opening night. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, and I'm pleased to be joined alongside, once again, former NHL goaltender and Daily Face-Off analyst, Mike McKenna, Mike, what'd you think of opening night?
4: Oh, it's exciting. It's just so nice to have hockey to talk about once again. But I thought it was really amazing to see. One, how the Pittsburgh Penguins came out, but two, how the Seattle Kraken were able to give it to the Vegas Golden Knights. Like Frank, we had some good stuff to watch last night.
3: Yeah, it's the NHL continues to be the best reality show on television. So let's dive in right there to start. We'll throw two minutes and 30 seconds on the countdown clock in between us. And dive right in, who impressed you more? The Pittsburgh Penguins in Tampa, or the gumption that the Seattle Kraken showed in their opener in Vegas?
4: Well, Seattle came back and fought hard, but man, I sure liked what Pittsburgh put on the ice. they are missing Crosby, you're missing Malkin. Gensel's out, Matheson's out on D, and they came out flying against the Stanley Cup champions. I mean, 14 shots in the first period. Tristan Jari looked really solid in goal for the Penguins. There was a lot to like about their game. You could tell that they had some intensity and they had some urgency to their game. They have to start out well. They have to be able to roll because the reinforcements are coming later as soon as Crosby and Malkin are healthy. love seeing Brian Boyle score. Put a big smile on my face. Put a big smile on everybody in hockey's face. Frank, who did you like?
3: Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, look, as impressive as the Penguins were to start, without those guys, to me it was sort of the craziness that was involved in the Seattle Krakens last 40 hours or so just trying to put a proper roster on the ice in Vegas. I mean, could you think about how difficult it would have been and hard enough already with all the expectations from Vegas staring you in the face in Seattle with that team that you're building. But then the three players that they that didn't arrive till a few hours before puck drop, Junas Donskoy, Jared McCann, Jamie Alexiak, all going through the COVID protocol. I mean, that was a difficult spot to be in as they're just trying to formulate their roster for opening night. And then to be down by that margin, 3 nothing, come back and tie it, uh, that to me really said a lot about what we can see from the Seattle Kraken moving forward.
4: Yeah, it's a weird dynamic in a locker room when you're just waiting to see. Are we going to have a full lineup? Who's in? Who's out? Are they actually, do they have COVID? Are we going to miss them 10 days? Not ancillary pieces either, mind you. I mean, Donskoy McCann, very important to Seattle. They played a role. Jerry McCann did score a goal last night. Donskoy was all over the ice. Seattle was good. They were fun to watch.
3: The Morgan geeky coming out party. I mean, Ooh, what, what a, a snipe that, that was.
4: was. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. man. Short side off the wing. Barred, and by the way, Got the Vegas bench going, he gave it a stick twirl, stared down the Vegas bench, made him a little bit angry. It got the Golden Knights going. Yeah.
3: I love that, Sully. That was so perfect. And, and just really, uh, I guess for a lot of these guys on the Kraken, it'll be that sort of coming out party that I date, didn't maybe get the opportunity that I wanted to with my previous mm-hmm. team. And now I finally have a chance to show what I can do.
4: Yeah, I think it's important for all of them. You know, you look at the misfits in Vegas. Who do Jonathan so Riley Smith, Will Carlson, what that line was going to look like. They all became stars in the league. They've got that same chance in Seattle with some of their top end players in their top six.
3: Yeah, speaking of COVID, I mean, I think it's just an important reminder for us all. Watching how things changed for the Seattle Kraken pretty quickly over the last three to four days, uh, really started with Callie Yarncroak there, another staff member, also testing positive. And we're starting to already see, you know, just two games on the schedule last night to open the slate, but also some other guys already testing positive, Nathan McKinnon as well. He's asymptomatic by all, all reports to this point. But will be unavailable, according to Jared Bednar, for tonight's abs opener. And then you had a couple guys on the Pittsburgh Penguins as well dealing with a COVID outbreak. Zach Aston Reese previously, Jake Gensel. Maybe just a reminder for us all, Mike, I don't know that, you know, any of us have forgotten, depending on where you live, but just that COVID isn't gonna be going in away anytime soon here.
4: When you watch the games and you see everybody without a mask on the bench and looking completely normal, we're doing interviews again, we're going up to the booth and we're seeing everybody in close proximity talking. Sometimes you forget that COVID's still a real thing here. And you're seeing this with the test pop up now. Yes. All but four players, according to Gary Bettman, are vaccinated at this point in the National Hockey League. So that's a, that's a good step going forward. But what you're looking at now is those breakthrough cases. They can happen and you do have players in close proximity. And even though the vaccination process has shown that it's helping, players, helping people in general stay out of the hospital, stay healthier, they still can't be around their teammates once they, te- once they test positive. So you do have to wonder, could we face an outbreak that does delay games this season? Does the schedule have to change? How does it factor into the Olympics later on? I still think there's a lot of unknowns here,
3: Frank. Well, there are, and I think it's important to keep in mind here. The NHL has until January 1st to opt out of the Olympics in Beijing, and they want to do everything they can to get the players there. They've set everything up properly, but the key with the agreement that the NHL, NHLPA and the IIHF have together with the IOC is that If there is even one cancellation, we wrote about this a couple weeks ago at the Player Media Tour with Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, or one game that needs to be postponed and moved, the NHL then has the ability, at least contractually, to pull out the players from the Olympics. And at this point, that's not something they want to do. It probably won't be one or two games, but they don't have the same leeway and flexibility in the schedule this year. So it's going to be important to keep everyone on track on that front with regards to COVID and remain diligent. By the way, we brought up Vegas, the Fortress. How about the energy last night? Let's throw it to a clip from friend of the show, Ryan S. Clark of The Athletic, covers the Kraken for The Athletic. Look at this.
4: Man, this is like, as this goes along, it's kind of like taking out Ursula the Sea Witch and the Little Mermaid. Look at that. And it's, it's a it's, big deal in Vegas. Obviously, I, I covered the team the last years To have the night back on the ice and the full show, this is amazing, Frank.
3: Yeah, and the full, the full crowd. But I got to ask you, you know, you've seen a lot of pregame introductions in your career, pregame shows. You got to have at least one story. Let's do a little story time with Mike McKenna from a minor league production gone wrong.
4: Oh, man. I feel like we could have several of those. The best one that I can remember lives in infamy in minor league circles. When I was playing for the Portland Pirates, we went into Manchester, New Hampshire for a game. And it was Star Wars night. And, of course, they thought it would be a bright idea to wheel out Darth Vader to drop the first puck. But for whatever reason, the crew in Manchester, New Hampshire, didn't put a carpet out on the ice. And here comes Darth. And he's coming with the lion. The Manchester Monarchs had a lion as their mascot. So like where here comes Darth. Yeah, Darth and the lion are walking out on the ice together. Well, Darth's feet start to go like this and he <laughs> catches it the first time, he's way off balance. And then the second time he goes down like a sack of potatoes. And it, I mean, his, his knee bent the wrong direction, he's, oh. he's groaning and his head comes off. Darth Vader's head rolled 15 feet across the <sighs> ice to the boards in front of our bench and Darth's on What's the your ice, reaction he's asking to that for point? help. And I'm backing up, Frank, so I got a, I got a bird's eye view to this thing with a backup towel on, and I'm thinking, this is absolutely surreal. Darth Vader is out there without a head on, and the best part is that the lion, the mascot for the Monarchs, went to pick up Darth's head at the boards and carry it back over to him, and you can actually hear Darth saying, get me out of here. He'd had <laughs> enough, he didn't drop the first puck, they aborted the mission. But, man, you'll never forget that. Like, why did they not put a carpet out? It was the quintessential minor league moment.
3: Oh, man. I feel like we could have story time with Mike McKenna on really just about every show moving (laughs) forward. Some different minor league follies. But let's get back to some serious hockey talk or serious, I'm putting in air quotes, because everyone wants to know with the Canadian teams getting in action tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens, You've got the Edmonton Oilers and I believe the Vancouver Canucks. Which team, the Oilers or the Leafs, has more on the line this season, Mike?
4: I think the Leafs do. And it is so serious because now we're talking about Canadian teams where hockey rules everything. And I I always joke around with my Canadian friends about that, how we're more laid back in America, which we're really not. But I think that the Leafs have got to make it happen this year. The last couple of seasons, not being able to get out of the first round, having all that talent, all that scoring, having a dry up in playoffs. It's not like they went deep. It's not like they went to the finals. They cannot exit first round. They have to start out hot. I still think that there's some, I don't think, I'm not sure people still believe in the Oilers for whatever reason. I think there's more apprehension there than there is in Toronto, even though I like the Oilers now with Hyman, I worry about their back end. I don't think if you look at that roster, you really go, can the Oilers contend deep? Whereas with Toronto, I think they're a little bit deeper. Um, Goaltending a little question mark defense as well is still something I worry about in Toronto, but across the board, they've been close. They've been closer than Edmonton. I think it puts the pressure on Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe.
3: Look, I mean, there's pressure everywhere. And we've talked about this a lot, even to start with the Leafs and, and sort of what they're facing. But to me, I don't think there's been enough talk about the Oilers in the sense of they've been saying for the last number of years, if you talk to their front office and you talk about where this franchise is building towards, that this was supposed to be the year that they take that real big step forward, that they finally had some money to spend. They were finally in a position with their salary cap where they could add a piece like Zach Hyman. They could keep a Tyson Mm -hmm. Barry. And so now this team with maybe what could be the best power play of all time needs Ever. to find a way to, to dig in on that depth that they have or have added and really take that step forward. So you got to do it because you got to take advantage of the years of Connor McDavid in his prime. He was certainly part of, uh, this build to this point and has been on point with that been on the same page as everyone in the organization. But I just wonder if that frustration starts to mount on his part and then on the part of Leon Dreisaitl if you don't see any meaningful progress this year. So now Mike, really excited to bring in and start a new segment. We're calling it The Number Crunch and we're excited to introduce everyone to Rachel Dowery, former NHL front office analyst. And we're so excited to have you, Rachel. How are you doing? Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
3: Yeah, so we gave you a little homework assignment, and we wanted to have you pick three guys that are primed to break out, and three other guys that are right for regression this year. We'll start on the positive side because that's what we always like to be here on the Daily Faceoff show. But I want you to dive in, starting with Jack Hughes. What makes, what do you see behind the scenes that you think he can give more?
2: So I think with Jack Hughes, you look at it, if you watch him play last year, he's consistently getting to the scoring areas. There are cross ice passes or Royal road passes as the the fancy people like to call them. And some of his line mates, with the exception of Sharon Govich, weren't really shooting at a high clip. And frankly, neither was Jack Hughes. I think he was shooting at like 7% last year, which for a player of his caliber, I would expect that to be closer to 11 or 12. So for this year, I could really see him being a guy that gets close to 70 points, I mean, he's, he's generating the chances. He's going to get the power play time. Um, he's going to have a linemate in Thomas Tatar this year that can really put the puck in the back of the net. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get between 70 and 75 points.
3: Yeah, I'm with you there on Hughes. I think not everyone realizes around the league how big of a step he took last year yeah. to take an even bigger one this year. What about Alex Tessier in Columbus?
2: Yeah, so this might be uh, a dark horse, but for me, I look at Columbus. Um, Alex Texier is going to play on the top line. He's going to get those top power play minutes. I think Patrick Laine has a bounce back year. And if Texier is playing with Patrick Laine, that's kind of almost an automatic assist machine. And so this is more about a uh, role elevation and the fact that that he had a really low shooting percentage last year. I think if he can get to the scoring areas, get to the front of the net, maybe capitalize on some rebounds that line A generates from his shot, there could be something there. But it, this is mainly about a breakout as a product of the role that he's going to play, which, as it stands right now, is the top line center in Columbus. And so I'd expect a bit of a point jump there as well.
3: Yeah, it could be some tough sledding for Columbus. But if Texier is part of that uh, top line and, and gets production with line A, well, then... You know, I think Columbus, with a team that's going to be difficult to play against, could surprise a few teams on different nights this year. The big man in Edmonton who endeared himself to both the fan base and the Oilers team making his comeback to the NHL last season could be a real value contract this year in Edmonton and Yassi
2: Pogliarvi? Yeah, I think when you look at it, the signing of Zach Hyman on the other side of that line Anybody who plays with Connor McDavid, you're pretty much automatically good at that point because he just makes everybody around him better. But I think with Yessi pouye you're looking at a player that's going to play on the top line, again, with McDavid, with Hyman. You're looking at a guy who's going to play on the power play more than likely. And he's going to be one of those guys that's a product of his surroundings. So we call these like accidental assists almost. Well, those still count. And so for me, when you look at it, you drive the net, maybe the puck goes off of you. You recover a puck in the corner, you get it out to a scoring air to McDavid, you're probably gonna get an assist off of that. And so I think with the speed he can generate, the power forward prototype that he is, he can work well with Hyman, and they both work well off McDavid. I think there's gonna be an opportunity here for this line to score a ton of goals, and he's gonna benefit from that.
3: Okay, now let's turn to the other side of the coin guys that had big years last year that are ripe for regression. And I see Tyler Toffoli's on the list. Is that just because they're not going to be playing the Canucks as often this year?
2: (laughs) Okay, that really should just be like the the headline there. He doesn't get to score a million times against the Canucks this year. But honestly, I think Tyler Toffoli had a fantastic season last year. There's no denying that. But if we look at it, he's probably not going to shoot 18% this year. I would expect that to be closer to 12 maybe even 11%. So right there, we're looking at a regression. The other thing is this is a really strong division. The Atlantic, you're going to look at Tampa. You're going to look at Florida, Toronto, Boston. These are. You're not going to get to play Buffalo every single night. And so I think it's going to be tough from that perspective. And the other underrated thing is that the quality of center in Montreal, with the loss of Philip Deneau, it's really only Nick Suzuki now, and that's a problem because if Tyler Toffoli isn't playing with Nick Suzuki, I'm not sure that there's a ton of players in Montreal that can get him the puck in the scoring areas because he's not a guy that can generate his own scoring chances.
3: Mm-hmm. Jacob Chikrin, 18 goals last year in the desert. Got a Norris Trophy vote for me. Any defenseman that's scoring 18 goals in a shortened year, you're getting on my list, but you don't think he's going to quite get to that number again?
2: No, and I think this is—he's kind of the anti Yesi Pulia Yarvi, and that he's going to be a product of his surroundings. If you look at the moves that Arizona made this year, they're not built to be good this year. Out the door goes um, Connor Garland. Out the door goes Oliver ekman Larson, who, to be fair, wasn't very good last year. But the parent, like when he's working with Jacob Chikrin, that's still going to be a positive thing for Jacob Chikrin. And so for me, his quality of teammate is has gone down. He shot 10.2% last year, like you said, with 18 goals. I think that probably ends up closer to 12 or 13. He's still going to get power play minutes. But when you look at what's going on in Arizona, he's not going to have many players to work with that are of that quality. And so for me, I just think he regresses a little bit. But I do expect from a defensive standpoint, he's going to take on a ton of the minutes, have the harder matchups. So from a point perspective, he's probably going to regress. But I'm curious to see what he looks like defensively this year and if he takes a step back or if he is able to take a step forward.
3: Yeah, one of the sneaky, really good, really consistent players in the NHL over the last four or five years was David Perron. He's been right there almost every year, 60, 65 points. Is father time just catching up with Perron?
2: I think it's a product of a couple things. So when we say ripe to regress, David Perron was over a point a game last year. He had 58 and 56. That was insanely high. He's never been a point a game player in his career. And kudos to him, that's a fantastic season. He is a little bit injury prone. I think he's played two full seasons in his entire career. So I don't think it's fair to expect father time plus the propensity to get injured is totally fair. Obviously we don't want to see that. I would say David Perron probably is happy with a 60 point season. And people might say, well, that's not really regression. But if you look at it, he was on an 87-point pace last year in a full season. I don't think he gets anywhere near that this year. I think he probably is closer to 55 and 60. And so that's I mean, that's a 30% regression, 25 to 30% regression. And so that's, that's going to be something to, to watch for. Now, he is playing with Ryan O'Reilly, so you might get a product of some accidental assists there. But I, I'm still looking for him to kind of correct to where he was previously, if not maybe a little bit lower as, like you mentioned, father time catches up with him.
3: You know who's not going to regress and is only going to break out from here? That would be Rachel Dowery. So glad to have you on our team. It was fun crunching numbers with you, and we're looking forward to talking again with you next week. Sounds good. See you next week. All right. Well, thank you, Rachel. And now let's get to our... DFO inbox. You can ask us a question anytime at hashtag ask DFO. We're happy to answer your questions. Got a couple yesterday, but I think Mike, what everyone wants to know is will there be fireworks tonight? Ryan Reeves healthy and in the lineup for the New York Rangers. We know that they've been building towards this moment, the sort of rematch now that they've muscled up against the Washington Capitals.
4: I like think everybody's looking for Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson to put on boxing gloves and go out at center ice and start the game. And that's not going to that? happen. That's not going to happen. No. But what is going to happen is that the intensity between these two teams is going to be very high. I can't see this game going tonight without at minimum there being scrums after the whistle, hits laid, animosity between the two teams. Ryan Reeves brings that factor for the New York Rangers, and it permeates throughout the lineup. Washington's had it. Do I expect them to fight? Something crazy is going to have to happen on the ice for that to take place. I don't think that's the goal for either club, but I do think the Rangers especially, not just Ryan Reeves. They're going to be looking to impose their physical presence and it starts from the top down head coach gerard gallant he's going to instill that in them they're going to play hard they're going to play in washington's face and they're going to try to establish dominance remember the rangers they're not looking to be a decent team this year they're looking to contend for the stanley cup and make playoffs and they're going to have to get past washington to do that
3: well i think that's another reason why they're going to mark their territory tonight i would put money on ryan reeves and tom wilson squaring off at some point before the game's 10 minutes old And then after that, well, we'll see what happens. Side bets here, Frank. Side bets. Speaking of putting money on something, we'll now bring in Tyler Uremchuk for our daily best bet. And I'm just wondering, Tyler, how much did you love? Did you have the over last night in Pittsburgh? Were you loving John Cooper pulling the goalie with six minutes left?
0: Thanks, Frank. As always, the betting talk is sponsored by PointsBet, and yeah, I, I wasn't on the over last night, but I will say that as a better, when you're either on the over or you have the puck line and you see that goalie dart towards the bench, there is no better feeling. It keeps you right on the edge of your seat. As for tonight's games, I got a few I'm keeping an eye on, but I want to start with the Canadian doubleheader, and I was a little bit surprised to see the Leafs, even though they don't have Austin Matthews in the lineup, They're sitting at minus 180 favorites going up against the Montreal Canadiens. The late game tonight has the Oilers, as you can see on the screen, minus 186 favorites against the Canucks, who are plus 155. But in this matchup, I want to dig in on some player props. Connor McDavid is an insane minus 135 to get over a point and a half. That's a mark you never really see unless it is Connor McDavid. It shows how much the sportsbooks respect the production McDavid's capable of. Uh, But that's not the play I like in this one. McDavid and Drysaddle are likely going to play on the same line at 5-on-5. They're going to get that power play time together. Like you guys said earlier, potential to be the best power play in NHL history. If you like McDavid over 1.5, just take the value with Drysaddle over 1.5. As you can see, it's paying out plus 110. I like the chances of Drysaddle hitting it if McDavid does. I think there's a good chance they had 41 points in 10 games combined against the Vancouver Canucks last season. So dry settle over a point and a half at plus 110. I like the value there. The other game tonight I'm keeping my eye on is the Avalanche Blackhawks matchup. The Avs won't have Nathan McKinnon, but they're still the biggest favorites on the slate at minus 196. As we saw yesterday, you know, early in the year, underdogs have a shot here and that the Blackhawks have Marc-Andre Fleury making his debut. I kind of like the value on them at plus 165 in this one.
3: Yeah, I've learned a couple things, and one of those in life is never bet against Marc-Andre Fleury. And by the way, if you wanted to hone in on some of Rachel's analysis, well, she, the Points Bet Canada had uh, all, he, excuse me, Jacob Chikrin at over-under goals this season, 20. She thinks he's going to be down near 12 or 13. So if you want to tap into that uh certainly do so as well now time for a little garbage time my favorite part of the show mike mckenna what's got you riled up you know what drives me
4: crazy is when people see somebody come into the national hockey they're to go who's this guy the tampa bay lightning had Yanni Gordon in their lineup when they won the last two Stanley Cups. And he started his career in the ECHL and earned his way to the NHL and made a huge difference. And now he's an assistant captain with the Seattle Kraken. Nobody knew who he was when he came in. Nobody knew who William Carlson, who's he? I've never heard of him. He comes to the Vegas Golden Knights and pots 40 goals. It's not always early draft picks that are the players that are gonna come in and make a difference for a team. And this is a reason why fans can do themselves a service And check out the American League team on occasion. Just look at the stat sheet. Look at who's playing well in that league. It's going to give you an idea of who's coming along the pipeline and who's going to play well for your team when they come up. the, The landscape's littered with these types of players. Take a look at the American League standings in the score sheet every once in a while, and you are going to find some diamonds in the rough, not just to root for, but also for fantasy teams down the road.
3: Mike, I feel like that hit a little close to home for you. Are you speaking from like a little emotional experience yourself? Did anyone ever say who's Mike McKenna?
4: Oh, I think it should have been painted on my mask, Frank. I mean, (laughs) that's the number one. Who's this guy? I mean, if I hadn't had the infamy of playing for as many teams as I did by the end of my career, yeah, I flew under the radar everywhere. I never got recognized out in town. That was actually kind of nice.
3: Yeah, I bet that would be nice. Uh, Let's wrap up with a couple quick hits. Some news this morning. Matthias Ekholm signing a four-year $25 million to remain with the Nashville Predators. He had been pushing to this point to get a deal done before the regular season opened or else they had vowed to not talk contract all year, which would have, of course, brought him up in trade discussion. He could have been a daily face-off trade target. Alas, we have one off the board to start the year a couple other quick hits we've got alex ovechkin and mitch marner as game time decisions for their games for the caps and the leafs and one little surprise starter here vitek vanacek starting for the washington capitals a lot of people thought this was Ilyas sansonov's net but it's going to be vanacek to start and that's it that's all the time we have today For the Daily Faceoff Show, thanks a lot for joining us. On behalf of Mike McKenna, Rachel Dowery, and I'm Frank Saravali. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, information, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. Talk to you then.
2: Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.